Yeah, hold that, please. Level five, thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to attend the Biparsal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. The single most important thing is to attend the Channelized Bing Bingus at the Biparsal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Outspoken with White and Jordan. 100% engagement. It's a total disrespect. Download, stand well back, listen. Jim White and Simon Jordan. I don't see that view. Outspoken with White and Jordan. From the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Hello and thanks for downloading Outspoken, the podcast that brings you the very best of our daily Talk Sport show. On today's episode, England legend Stuart Pearce joined myself and Simon to react to Amir Khan's interview on Drive yesterday, as well as looking ahead to the return of Frank Lampard in the Chelsea dugout this weekend. Good morning to everybody on Good Friday. Stuart Pearce, if anyone ever doubted the generosity of my little Easter bunny, Lord Simon Jordan, then they shouldn't. Look at that, Stuart. I was so, so proud of it. I, I come in here two weeks ago and to say it was frosty between you pair was an <laughs> understatement. But that would be fair to say. Pro- okay. Probably, but that's right. normal. But two weeks later, I've come in to see this loving with Easter eggs. Absolutely wonderful. Did you see me embrace him as I thanked him I for my chocolate egg? That was very kind of you. Not only just for me, but for... Um, uh, Becky through the glass for uh, assistant producer Joe, for producer Luke. You had a little raid on Marks and Spencers earlier this morning in the Easter egg section. It's it's driven from the fact that if I'm going to have a derby and I can't control my weight, I figure everyone else should have that challenge as well. <laughs> so force-feeding people chocolate is a motivated perspective. How lovely. Well, happy Easter to everybody uh, listening and watching, of course. We're coming to you live on YouTube and Facebook as well. Stuart, tell everybody what you were up to. Last night, an awards ceremony. You were in the thick of it. Yeah, well, Viva La Rock, which is a, a brilliant punk rock indie magazine. I was uh, I was asked to to give Viva um, to give a, an award out to the UK subs Charlie Harper last oh, night. It was good. compared by Becky Bondage the whole evening. It was <laughs> Becky Bondage. It was absolute carnage, to be fair. Often is, you know, very uh, slapdash. But it was a lovely night. I met one of uh, Simon's old friends as well, Neville Staples. Backstage. Neville Staples he was yep. getting an award specials, for a yep. lifetime good achievement. Yep. So, really good evening, actually. Really good. Excellent. The great and the good were there, and you were right in the thick of it. Did you stay on at Manchester last weekend for the gig that you were going to go to? Yeah, brilliant weekend. Obviously, the uh, the Man City game, Liverpool, fantastic spectacle as well, and stayed on and uh, watched the gig afterwards from the Jam and the Buzzcocks, which was brilliant. And uh, we got one tonight in Manchester, so I'm doing the United game tomorrow, early kickoff. So we've got uh, Spear of Destiny and Big Country tonight. Big, big Country. country. 
Very oh, good. Wow. Brilliant double header that is. Oh, yeah. Really good double header. Breaks my heart when I think of Stuart Adamson. Yeah, uh, yeah, very well. sad story. About yes, Stuart. yeah. Uh, Stuart, so much has happened since we last saw you. Uh, we have so much to discuss. Uh, I wish Frank Lampard well last night, Simon. And, and he came back with, yeah, I'll, I'll win Simon over eventually. <laughs> he, he really did. <laughs> did he? Um, Chelsea travelled. Yeah, good luck to you, Frank. Chelsea travelled to Wolves uh, with Frank Lampard taking charge of Chelsea for the first time again, as I said in the introduction to the show. Before we hear from Frank, what was your take on this news, Stuart? We we heard about it. Alex Crook was right in the money the other night um, mm-hmm. much t- in the in the face of Danny Murphy who didn't believe him Frank pitches up at the Chelsea game there's yep. something in this Bully might be considering him on an interim basis then he does then it's announced yesterday and Alex Crook led the way but what do you think of it? Well firstly we covered the game Chelsea done everything bar put the ball in the net they were really struggling with that, that uh, side of the game but I think it's probably in their eyes, a safe appointment. It looks like till the summer and, and no longer. It looks like they've got someone in place, I would suggest, from the outside. And it's someone that the Chelsea fans probably know. They like and respect Frank, you know. So yeah. from their point of view, they might see it as, as a good short-term stopgap. But I would probably turn around and say, if you've got someone else in mind in the summer, just leave Graham Potter in charge. Because I'm not sure what they're really playing for. I'm, I don't think they have yeah. the Champions League. I, no, no. You know, I don't really see... What... Well, I mean, what lies ahead? Various challenges for Frank and Chelsea. Simon, again, before we hear from Frank, what is the scale and level of opportunity in this interim period for Frank? Um, I would be surprised if the scale of opportunity sort of resonates in the Ole Gunnar Solskjaer uh, era of being given an opportunity as a result of you know, a falling apart, chaotic environment and then perhaps turning it into three years of wasted opportunity for Man United. I would be surprised if Frank gets that. But what he does get is an opportunity just to readdress the balance of people's perspective, mine included, not that mine's particularly relevant to him, but notwithstanding that, dissenting voices that suggest that he wasn't good enough for the job at Chelsea when he was given a budget in the second summer and ultimately the team wasn't very good and he got outed. The Everton situation, where I do think he, the, the, his contribution, the people will say they kept him in the, in the Premier League and that was his ultimate job. But I think if he'd have stayed there, he'd have gotten relegated, which would have been the polar opposite of what he was brought in to do. So he gets an opportunity to shine. Hmm. Um, now, whether the, the sentiment, I don't know what the, I think there was a divide on the Frank Lampard situation when he was there last time from those that felt he was very unfairly treated and he was there, Frank. And others that thought, well, actually, I can't see where you're going. And actually, if we're a grown-up football club, we do need to replace you. So this idea that it's a, a you know a, a gimme that the Chelsea fans are going to be delighted to see him back. But what you saw from him yesterday in a press conference was someone that's extremely pleased to be back. Yeah, I thought he spoke very so well. So maybe he's yeah. got um, maybe the lessons. The one thing about life is if you don't learn lessons, then you're foolish. So if he's and then one thing he is is intelligent. And if yeah. he's been able to take stock, look back, reflect on the sentiments of where he's been before, who knows? Mm. I suspect to the summer. And Frank goes away with a better reputation than he left with. It's a brilliant opportunity for him because Premier League jobs don't come up on a regular basis. And, and prior to disappointment, you might turn around and say, where's Frank's next job? And you might say, well, it might have to be the championship, maybe. Mm. But to get a, a, one of the top six blue chip teams, once again, <laughs> exactly. albeit on how my, long, I don't my know. My resistance, and it's not a personal resistance because Frank is a perfectly pleasant fellow, is I think the elite jobs should be gotten on merit. This is not a job being gotten on merits. Even on an interim basis? Well, no, because the, the reality of it is, is Frank's achievements aren't based, for, from a management point of view, are hugely steeped in merits. So if you're, go, if you're going to go to Stuart's point of view, which is a very salient one, mm. 
these jobs come around whether they're interim or not the bulk of the time they they come with managers with huge credentials i know de matteo stepped into that gap yeah and is the is the, is the exception that disproves a rule i suspect yeah but in most instances you rock in there you get so you get someone like ancelotti comes in for a period of time or gus hiddink more to the point or even my old mate benitez but in this instance frank <laughs> comes in there because he's frank lampard and, and because he played for Chelsea yeah. and no other reason. I think it gives the whole place a shot in the arm, I must admit. I think it galvanises everybody, but that's just me. I see the merit in it. I see the wisdom in it. What did, th- what did Frank himself think of it all? It's a pretty easy decision for me. This is my club uh, in terms of my playing career and having managed, coached here before. So I have a lot of emotions and feelings towards the club. I'm also a very practical person, you know, and when you become a manager... You understand that you don't manage your own club, the club that you say is your club forever. And obviously I've been on a, um, a different path since I left Chelsea. But to come back in a time where um, the club have asked me to come and take the role, of course that's the most important thing. But also with a belief that I can come and help the calls in this period to the end of the season. So I'm, I'm delighted to get that opportunity and I want to be, you know, I'm thankful for that to the people that have decided to give me that opportunity. I'm confident in myself. I have a good understanding of the, the squad. Of course, I've worked with a lot of them before, but also the, the training ground, the stadium, the fans, what Chelsea fans want. And I'll do my utmost in the, this period coming to give them what they want with my own hard work. Yeah, I mean, Stuart, nothing wrong with that, is there? No, I mean, he's desperate. He's passionate about the football club, which is brilliant to see. I'm just going to play devil's advocate here and say... What would your mentalities be if uh, if Brendan Rodgers was appointed at this juncture rather than uh, Frank? Would you say that's a, a better managerial appointment? <laughs> it's Someone a good who's question. He's been connected with the club. No, he's worked at the club. No, it's a good question. Club? No, because he's in a funk and he's been in a funk for a year. And the nature, the nature of his personality and the nature of the way he's approached his job over the last twelve months, I think, have been remarkably poor. Um, and so I take, um, as much as I like Brendan Rodgers and have been a leading voice, even discussed Brendan Rodgers perhaps being considered for the England manager's job mm. six months ago. But circumstances are different. You don't get to dump a team in the bottom two of the Premier League. In my view, in my view, mm. if I'm reading the room, potentially they say I don't fancy any more of that way and come away with a mutual consent situation when you're actually probably walking away from the job yourself and then land in a club that's got different aspirations. Whatever, whatever we say about Chelsea's season, they ain't going to want to finish 10th. They're going to want to finish as high up the league as they possibly can, put together sure. some momentum and get to the point where they might even give themselves a whiff of a chance in the Champions League, albeit tall order. Simon, take me to the break here, but answer me this. Is there any damage potential here for Frank in having taken <clears throat> this? Um, No, because there's a sentiment that... So they it's don't, a no-brainer. They don't, they, well, it's, that's what I said yesterday. Yeah. The, the main beneficiary of this is Frank. But the job itself, should the main beneficiary of it should be the club. They're the ones <coughs> to get the main benefit out of it. And all they're doing is holding the line. And so Frank goes in there, and if they don't do very well, it's because Graham Potter made a mess of it. They didn't have a centre-forward, and ultimately there was a difficult culture to turn around. If they do do well, Frank Lampard is the reason, and that's the outcome. So he has yeah. a, a wonderful <laughs> sort of reverse zero-sum game. And he goes to elite manager again if he does well. <laughs> you imagine no. if they put out Real no. Madrid. No, he doesn't go to elite manager again because he's not in elite manager position at this moment in time. Yeah. Stuart, no one should say ah, Real Madrid will get through that because you cannot be sure. Chelsea's squad is so powerful on paper yeah. that if there is an ups, upturn, yeah. they've got the credentials to turn around and knock Real Madrid out. Sure. 
So he's got the job and his main priority isn't to turn your head around, Simon. His main priority is to do well with Chelsea. Mm -hmm. uh, Frank has got the job, but he's in there on uh, an interim basis at the moment, as we all know, as he knows. But, and here's the but, if he does excel, what then for Messrs Bowley and Igbali at the top of the football club? 100% engagement. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Every way you look, massive games this weekend. Newcastle, who battered West Ham 5-1, uh, head across to Brentford. Newcastle stayed down here in London uh, after that win at the London Stadium the other night. Arsenal, what can they do? Can they get anything at Anfield? If Arsenal conquer Anfield on Sunday, do they go on and conquer the title? Elsewhere, Manchester United, Everton, tomorrow, 12.30 kickoff, lunchtime kickoff for that. Everton, Sean Dyche will take his players to Old Trafford. Funnily enough, uh, Sean Dyche, bit tongue-in-cheek I thought the answer was brilliant uh, it focused on Harry Kane of course uh, and that moment when Harry Kane fell to the turf the other night at Goodison Park uh, after uh, Abdoulaye Khoury um, brushed uh, had a brush with Harry Kane shall we say seemed to push him uh, in the in the face with, with his hand uh, down went Harry Kane off went uh, Abdoulaye Khoury red carded Sean Dyche was asked in the build up to the United match does Khoury you're the Curry or Kane an apology? He certainly doesn't need to apologise. At the end of the day, he knows you know you can't raise your hands. I mean, I thought at one point he, he might have snapped his eyelash, which is, well, that would have been tragic. But he seemed to be uh, responding okay. He knows you can't raise your hands in football. It's simple as that. He's a very strong-minded character, and I like that. He's worked very, very hard. So, you know, at a moment when it goes wrong, he's not going to be judged by that on me. At one stage, he might have snapped his eyelash. Good to get that bad, says Sean Dyche. No, 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 says Christian Stellini, the Tottenham interim boss. Uh, he defended his man Kane. I think it's strange that uh, some ex-player said things, uh, I think, wrong about Harry because they are ex-player and they understand the difference between seeing a situation like this in a slow motion and live this experience in a real motion, it's completely different. And also, Everton's manager said there was a, a clear red card. So there's no discussion on this. I, I don't understand why some ex-player speak about this. I think uh, they don't agree with Tottenham instead to don't agree with Harry. So I think they respect Harry. Probably they don't respect enough Tottenham. So that was Stellini. So Harry Kane hit the deck, but should he have? Did, did the moment merit such a reaction? Stuart Pearce is alongside Simon this morning. Stuart, on the show last week, you hit out a, a lack of respect towards officials at all levels. Have a listen. Scrutinise the players and start turning around Monday morning and saying, there you go, so-and-so, there's a four-match ban for swearing at the referee... There's a four-match ban for lying well on the said. floor pretending you're well injured. Said. There's a three-match ban for doing this. Like yeah, they're but, doing rugby league. But people We've in lost football one... like you say, well, that's just passion. It's not passion, it's cheating, my friend. Let these people empower these refer referees. Let this panel turn round, watch the games from the weekend and decide what is appropriate action for a player and what isn't. I agree and with you. And deliver... Penalties where these players have to step down and stop playing until they change the I way they play. I agree with you, but can you honestly say every opportunity you get, hand and heart, you're after those players. You're calling them out. Every opportunity you get when you sit in front of this microphone, you will call them out, reveal their identity and tell us that they're cheats. Well, you've got, you've got a panel of individuals that 
are supposed to be doing that to referees. They're not the ones you want to do it to. I'll show you what passion is and I'll show you what cheating is. So that was Stuart then. Now in breakfast, Mr Pierce, uh, you gave your version of events regarding Harry Kane. Well, I was having a curry last night and I've not seen the incident, but <laughs> because I like you, I'm going to back you, even though I've not seen it. I'll make you totally right, Ali. Well done, mate. Right. Now, first things first, how was the curry? Beautiful. Okay, that's good. That's what I say. Now, we heard you say to producer Luke this morning, show me that. Show me that cane incident. Mm. Is that is that in all honesty, have you not had you not seen it until today? No. First time I saw it this morning. Stuart Pierce, look at me and tell me that. You're good you will fold under questioning. No, I put my hand on my heart. It's the first time I've seen it. But it's the first time you've seen it. It doesn't matter whether I've seen it now or whether I saw it last last weekend or live, I would still have the same opinion of the incident. And what is that? Well my my opinion is that can I back the referee for sending the player off? Yes I can in the modern day game. Yes. He should have got sent off. Yep. Uh, Harry should he have stayed on the floor as long as he, he possibly did. And Harry's probably one of the more, more genuine players in the game, let's say. Um, no, he probably should have got up to help his fellow professional out a little bit. That's what. That's my take on it. Would, retrospectively, I turn round and say Harry should be stepped down for going down too cheaply for a game or two games? The answer would be no, because... The Corey deserved to get sent off for what he did, raising his hand. So I can't turn around and say someone's dived and on the other hand saying he deserved to get sent off. But you you do admit that Harry went down in a somewhat crumpled heap when he didn't really need to. Yeah, yeah, probably. But you're not going to go the full way and say no, Harry should be sidelined a bit me, for that No, Simon said to me last week, would because I that's be... that's what you said last week. No, Simon said to me, would I be prepared to go on a panel that made those decisions? My decision, having watched that, would have been the player deserved to get sent off for what he did. So retrospectively, I can't turn around and say that the player lying on the floor, if I'm going to say this fella deserves a red card, the two don't go hand in hand. Could he have gone down? Did he go down slightly cheaply? Yes. I also would have a situation as well that I would send the physios on while the game goes on to treat these players that are lying on the floor. Stop stopping the game all the time. Yeah. They'd get to their feet sharpish. Of course they would. Yeah, yeah. There's nothing to do with the fact, and I applaud your honesty in this, and I do, I do accept what you're saying, Stuart. Is it anything to do with Harry Kane, England captain, that it wasn't more of an outcry about it? I think for what, potentially, yes, because of what he stands for, and I don't think he goes down cheaply. I think he's clever at buying fouls. He slows down and waits for the challenge. Is there any need to go down? Bit. It wasn't Paul Axe, but Tyson Fury. The Curry went like that. I don't think any of the players are. But then again, I'm going to watch a game of rugby league tomorrow and these players will end up smashing into each other and you think, wow, we, how have you got up? And then I go and watch a game of football when it's chalk and cheese. Do you think Keane was pretending to be injured? Uh, he probably didn't get the ferocity of contact on his face that would have kept him down for that length of time. It's fair to say. And it's what, Simon, we've been driving at. It's what we don't want yeah. to see. Yes, I'm with I was Stuart. The I'm not, to be I'm red not sure this is, a, this is a fantastic example to bring to the fore because the player deserves to get sent off. Yes. Yeah, the, argument yeah. isn't, the argument isn't about... But Daichi's right about snapping an the argument isn't The argument isn't about the red card. It almost makes the rest of it a moot point because we all understand that the, the fact that the player raises his hand and gets sent off. And Kane does go over like lots of players. He does buy penalties at times. We can give examples of it when he's done it. But going over the way he did, 
I think it brings a sport into a space where you look at footballers and go, what the hell's wrong with you? Mm. I mean, you look at other sports and you look at rugby and they're all different. I have different cultures and so on and so forth. If I'm another sports person looking at English footballers, besides the envy that I would have about their finances, which always pervades other sports, I'd look at that and say, well, you know, that's a little bit contemptible. And I understand why Sean Dyche is deflecting. Stellini can't answer it. Danny Murphy is the one he's referring to. Because Danny Murphy's reaction straight after was, oh, for the love of God, what in God's name is that? Now, that is a absolute... Uh, taboo you mustn't you played football once you mustn't call it as you see it because the one person that can actually see it better than all those other eyes all those commentators all those pundits that have never kicked a ball is an ex-pro and when he turns around and says oh i'm not having any of that why does that subsequently become something that's awful for him to have said mm. because it's some sort of taboo you mustn't speak out of turn about yeah. the profession you used to be part of yeah and that's not right i thought danny was absolutely right in what he said still he can't say anything else what's he going to turn around and say to suggest there's some agenda against tottenham and to suggest that there is an, a, a, a perspective that somehow you're you're delineating between what the player's done and the football club is silly harry kane went over like he'd been shot and there's no need for it. Mm. And it's something we should all look at with absolute contempt. And, and you said, Stuart, quite openly and honestly, you'd call it out when you see it. Mm. And you've gone some way to doing that this morning. You have called it out. Harry didn't need to go down. But could you not be stronger in calling it out and saying, well, Harry, why did you go down? You should have stayed on your feet. I mean, Stuart, if Dukuri pushed you in the face like that, the palm of his hand, I don't think it was a clenched fist, was it? No. It, it, didn't look that it was way. an open hand. Yeah. You just stayed standing, right? You would try to, I would think. But then again, it's, it's a different culture, a different world, you know? My my dad always told me, never show the opposition you hurt. So that meant you don't go down. But it's not a culture we should appreciate. We should appreciate yeah. great football. Yeah. We, yeah. Should, we, should appre yeah. we should appreciate great footballers. We should appreciate great skill and great courage. And we should also, and when all that's called out and, and we suggest that those things are... Very prevalent. No one complains. So when someone does the polar opposites, they should be able to be held account for it. And they should be able to be held accountable for it. And I think it's laughable. I sit there watching footballers. I was talking to someone yesterday um, that's in a different sport and, and who loves football. And he looks at it from the point of view going, what the hell is that about? I've fallen off thousands of horses, land there, broke 206 bones. And I don't sit there with a scenario of watching. Yeah. And I watch my favourite team, Arsenal, and I sometimes sit there going, what are these players yeah. all about? But, but the rule of law, though, as you rightly say, Stuart, Dukuri was rightly red carded for what he did. Well, that's, We're agreed on that. That's the one thing that backs up Harry Kane going to ground, the fact that the referee deemed it, and probably most people in football say, as it stands at the moment, you can't put your hand in someone's face. You know that, otherwise you, you, you're flaunting a red card. It'd mm. been interesting to see, though, if the referee would have sent him off if he hadn't have gone down. Exactly, right Simon. Now, that doesn't mean he shouldn't have sent him off, but he might have missed it. Exactly, might not, right. He might have dealt yeah. with it in a different way, and VAR might have intervened. Because we never your know. Yeah. allegation is that Harry yeah. helped stitch the courier up by going down yeah. mortally wounded. Well, that's why we should start looking retrospectively on a Monday morning and make people make decisions and say, what do you think, and come out and say why, why you would or wouldn't make that yeah. decision. You know... I love Harry Kane a bit and for what he stands for and the profession. Make no mistake about it. He's gone down a little bit cheaply, but the kid deserved to get a red card in the modern game for, for what he did. Yeah, hold that, please. Level five. Thank you. Ah, you must be one of our new interns. Yeah, hi. Nice to meet you. Hi. Now, the most important thing to know is to... Uh, it's in the Bypassal Rise plug sale. The most important thing is what? Sorry. 
The single most important thing is to work in the channelized Bingbingus of the Bypassal Rise plug sale, and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does work chattel sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations. Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how. Subtle results. Still you, but with fewer lines. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulties swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia Gravis or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Download. Stand well back. Listen, Outspoken with White and Jordan from the world's biggest sports radio station, Talk Sport. Simon, in the world of boxing, Stuart Pierce is uh, with us uh, this lunchtime. In the world of ba- boxing, is Amir Khan going to end up in a bit more soapy bubble? Because right now, he hasn't really had the best of weeks, has he, to put it mildly. Amir Khan, uh, the latest one to be right at the heart of headlines that boxing does not need. Um, it emerged this week that he failed a drugs test after his fight with Kel Brook, a fight up in the northwest that you and I, Simon, attended on that night. Kel Brook won it and won it well. So Amir Khan, under all sorts of pressure. Um, yesterday, the same Amir Khan was a guest on Drive with Darren Bent and Andy Goldstein. Uh, this was just a flavour of it, a short exchange uh, between Khan and Goldstein. When was the first time that you learned you had failed a drugs test? I got told about it probably it was six months after, six to nine months. I think six to nine months after the after fight. the fight. After the fight, yeah. So the fe- the fight was in Feb. Yep. So and it was well after that, like so we're talking like August, September. Months. Yeah. Even though you kind of said they told you in April. No, I did get told in April, and I did nothing about it. You know, so um, and that's why, and it was a bit of a shock to me. And then when it was announced, I didn't know they were going to announce it like that. You know. And I was fighting it because I did say to them, look, I'm a clean fighter. And that's why I kept fighting it. And then I was at an interview and then boom, it comes out and it gets announced on social media. And thinking about it, it, got, it, gets, it gets announced like literally a year after the fight. Could any one of your team have been told and not told you? Um, no, because I mean, everything comes to me, comes back to me, to be honest with you. I know that when, when, it is, when we did find out about it, I told my lawyer and my lawyer was working on it and working on how it was in the system and everything. And we was even giving them uh, vitamins I took. I must have given them about 20 vitamin vitamins that I took. I give them all the 
literally every supplement I was taking the, the checking all the proteins I was taking is a contamination is it not I mean see one thing about us as well is that look we'll be say fight week you'll be with your brother or friends or whatever and they drink so what's that just pass us that boom you'll have a swig you know so it, it could be from anything you just don't know we just don't know he certainly didn't sound as if he knew you can't know because you can't tell us that um, can you in April 2022 how do we know that from UCAD because it's in their report Can's up against it here, is he not, Simon? Boxing's up against it here, not for the first time in recent days. Well, I think boxing is less up against it because what we've seen is the process works, but the process needs to be more professionalised in terms of people that are working the British Boxing Board of Control and the level of expertise that's there. The investment in UCAD specifically for boxing needs to be greater. But Khan is in the cart here because I don't believe him. I don't believe that he didn't know. Um, and when I listened to the interview with Andy Goldstein... I, I almost fell off my chair when I'm listening to a fighter tell tell Andy Goldstein that he didn't know when the test was taken. He didn't know. So how much attention have you been paying to the to the adjudication, the appeal process that you went through to be able to reduce the situation down from four to two? You are going on air on a national radio station talking about a very serious subject matter that will can, can potentially ruin your legacy and you don't even know if it was a pre-fight test or a post-fight test. And then you discuss in the conversation that if it was a pre-fight test, then perhaps the fight shouldn't have even gone ahead. How do you, how do you square that circle in the minds of people that are saying... Doping is a huge problem in the sport. Yeah, yeah. The fighters themselves take it very seriously, especially the ones that are clean. And somebody that gets accused of the most heinous of crimes in boxing, the most heinous of crimes in boxing is to be called a doper, right? Right. You don't even know what test it was. We all know in this room. I know it was a post-fight test. You know it was a post-fight test. Adam Cattrall knows it's a post-fight test. Everyone around sport, even Eddie Hearn now knows it was a post-fight test. According to UCAD. Right, according to UCAD. Yeah. It's a, po a post-fight test that yeah. happened on the evening of the fight as before they leave the venue after the fight. Mm. So why is Amir Khan suggesting he doesn't even know what test it was? And then suggesting, and then you look at what Andy did, was talk about the content of the, of the PED in his system. And they talked about this ridiculous notion it could have come from a handshake. I'm not suggesting that Amir Khan has doped himself. I'm suggesting he's not answering the questions properly. And if he's going to come on a radio show and talk about it, he should at least know what he's talking about. Yeah. And to suggest that ultimately come from a handshake, because Andy said to him, there isn't clinical evidence to suggest if you had that amount in your system at that particular time, yeah. you needed to have been taking it for four to six weeks. How does that chime with your observation exactly. of shaking somebody's hand it's, or drinking out of a bottle that your brother may have it's had? It's too vague, Stuart. It's mm. too vague, isn't it? I know you've listened to that for the first time there. Yep. It's too vague. You'd robustly defend yourself if you were in the dock about this. Well, we You remember every time you were drugs tested after a game? Of course. And it stands out in your mind, doesn't it? Well, in football, football it happens very, very regularly. The players are drugs tested very regularly. The, the, the doping control come into the training grounds. If the players' names are pulled out, they cannot leave the eyesight of uh, the dope testers. They'll sit next to them in the dinner hall. They're literally, in any meetings you go in subsequently, they'll sit next to them right the way through. So, But the bottom line is, you know as a sportsman, it stops with you. The buck stops with you. If you've done a drugs test in any way, shape or form, you know full well you can talk all around me trainer this, me this, this, me coach that, whatever. The bottom line is it's you all get suspended. He doesn't, yeah. he doesn't 
to be honest with you, I don't think he cared at the time because he wasn't going to fight again. He didn't have any intentions to fight again. So it becomes an almost incidental that he's been banned. Now all of a sudden, he's woken up to the potential consequence of people aren't going to let this sweep under the carpet. The mainstream media are interested in it. Boxing is becoming a big topic again. Shows like this are bringing it into the mainstream and not making it just about a very small world of boxing that gets confined to that little world. Absolutely. And what's happening now is people go, hold on a minute, you. If you did it then, did you do it then there? And did you do it then there? And he's misread the room. Now he's going to have to liven himself up a little bit and get himself more conversant with the situation he surrounds himself in. Because yeah. how can... Jim, this is a, such a massive thing for boxing right now and a massive thing for Amir Khan. How can you literally go volunteer to go on a radio show and not even know what... Now, this is not a mistake. This isn't somebody that's not very bright. Mm. This is somebody that was quite prepared to turn around and say on a radio show, I don't know what test it was. You know it was the post-fight test. Of course. If I know it was a post-fight test and it didn't happen to me... You must know. Why don't you? Why it's don't significant you? it didn't come anywhere near us. But it's it's incumbent upon us, would you not agree, Simon, that a show like this is this is what we do. You can't stop pushing for the fact. This is what this because is, it's your job. This is this is this is a show that gets a million one plus listeners that, that is dragging boxing into a different space that it's been to before. That's why people like Eddie Hearn hear us and come back in and want to have a come in on a show because they want to put their point of view across because they know it's a loud voice. I'm not suggesting that we're the Jeremy Paxman of sports broadcasting. What I'm suggesting is it's now becoming a f- far more centralised issue, a far more mainstream issue because it isn't just locked away yeah. in the tunnels of YouTube boxing videos. It's now coming into mainstream broadcasting because this is a very big, yeah. valuable sport. Here's one thing, be if treated we go to the break, um, it's agreed between us because of the way you and I go about it. We're not slapping each other in the back here. We won't let this go. But in spite of that, is boxing going to listen? I think they will. I think there's going. To, I think with the change of the funding of the British Boxing Board of Control, that money comes from the broadcasters now and stops coming from the promoters. The next generation of funding comes from the from the, the, the broadcast deals. You're going to start to see a better level of expertise. Robert Smith, God love him, needs either better expertise around him or to step down and get people that can run this organisation. Yeah. And UCAD are going to be drag kicking and screaming in their funding as well. And so are DCMS. People can get things done properly because this sport, I think, honestly deserves a little bit better than what's currently being shown. Your 100% essential download. Outspoken with White and Jordan. Thanks for listening to Outspoken. And don't forget to leave a five-star review and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. We'll be back on Monday. Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership. Stay up to date on everything newsworthy by downloading the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash news ad free. That's amazon.com slash news ad free to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.